0: I believe all of them are going to be sharing, uh, so we're excited to hear what they have to say. So, the floor awesome. is yours?
1: Woohoo! Oh, okay. Good morning, everybody. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Okay, that's better. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, a couple of the kids and I went on a mission trip to Oklahoma. Uh, it's a conference mission trip. And, um, I didn't even know that we were going to go until we get back from camp and three of them went, Oh, we're going to go on this mission trip. You want to go? <laughs> I said, Oh, when is it? Oh, it's in three weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, the Lord provided for that, uh, way for us to go. So we went, we left at 6 a.m. On Monday morning, uh, the 22nd. Was that when we left? I believe. And we drove for two days in a tour bus. Thank goodness we were in a tour bus, not a school bus. That would have been awful. Um, And it was actually a really fun ride. The kids enjoyed that a lot. You can ask them about their goofy stories. Um, But we got to Oklahoma, and we got to see the devastation that had hit there, and we got to help so many people um, in small ways and in big ways. Some people just needed to hug and a smile. And in that area, it's surprising how much that can mean to somebody who's lost everything. Um, so we're going to show you, that's my little intro for you. We're going to show you a video and then I'm going to let some of them come up and share and we'll go from there. Area that had gotten hit and when they boarded up their home, they wanted to say thank you to everybody that came in. It was so neat to drive by and see that. It was really neat. Okay. You guys ready to share? Let's see. <laughs>
2: for anybody that doesn't know, this is Mariana. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, so while we were there, the last day was pretty much like the hardest for all of us because we got to see the real resa- realization of everything that hit. Because, like, I heard about it on the news when it happened, but it's like, oh, it's just another tornado. Well, like, we went down and worked on the, like, a guy called and asked us to go down and kind of clear up his property. We thought, oh, the house is still going to be there. There wasn't a house, there's nothing. Like, he had nothing left. We just kind of cleaned up the garbage that was left around his house. And there are so many houses on that block that got hit that are not allowed to be there anymore. They had to tear them down. So we got to go look in some of the back windows, and the one room, it was totally destroyed. There was nothing there at all. Everything's broken, but on the floor, there was their certificate of, like, being a pastor, still in its frame, glass wasn't broken, just there, perfect. And you think, out of all that stuff in the room that was destroyed, God saved that one thing. And in the room beside it, um, room was destroyed, same again, and on the wall, still intact, everything was there, there was a sign that said, life is beautiful. And it's like, well, if God saved that, then he... Like, the tornado took so much, but those little things left hope for the people that were still living there. Like, um, when we went down to the school, everything, like, there was a whole class that was torn apart. There, the teacher was gone, students were gone, but there's still families there that are helping and reaching out to people that got hurt in tornado, even after their children or siblings are were killed, so... Just giving that little bit of hope to everybody else really puts a big impact on the people in their community. So, yeah. You want me to share about the
0: power? Well, hello. My name's Curtis. Uh, (laughs) The uh, first two days, we spent time at the school that we stayed at helping the church is nearby because recently there'd been flash flooding towards that area. About chest high deep. Um we found a washer and dryer that was mangled by a family that didn't exactly want it. So me and Justin the first day went and worked on repairing it. We went bought some tools with the lady that owned the church, uh cleaned up the cleaned it up inside, uh took out all the dust from the dryer and that, that was left in it. And when we left, it was working in perfect order. Uh, The second day, we helped with encouraging people around the area to come to nearby churches by handing out pamphlets and that. Even though we got rained out, we, we were there a couple minutes and we did get to speak to a couple people that were very nice and kind to us.
1: and say does anybody have questions for them before they go sit down okay you guys can sit <laughs> thank you guys a uh, cool thing too was that washer and dryer Curtis is talking about we were helping at this local Baptist church that like he said had gotten flooded and when we pulled up there's was this washer and dryer laying outside the church and the lady the pastor uh, she pulled up, her name is Duena. Uh, and she goes, Ugh, it's still there. Like, we're like, what, why is it there? And she said, well, the church bought that for someone and they didn't want it. And they brought it back and threw it on the ground for whatever reason. And she was like, now we got to get rid of it. And Justin grabbed me and goes, Hey, my grandpa works on those. I think we might be able to fix it. So him and Curtis went and did that. And she was so excited. That They fixed it. It took, like, what, half the day for you guys to do that, I think? Two or three hours? Yeah, it was really neat that they were able to do that. Now they have a washer and dryer they can give to someone else, even though the other people weren't grateful for it. So it was really neat how God used that tool, that they were the only people. The rest of us are like, we don't know how to do that. (laughs) We're going to go sort and clean. So it was really neat to see how God used their individual talents to do that. Um, and it really blessed their church. And uh, I don't think. Are you guys. Do you guys want to share anything else? Are you good? Okay. I encourage you all to go ask them questions after church um, about where they were. Um, there's so many stories we could tell, and we don't have enough time to do it in church. Like little things, big things. Um, what I'm going to talk about is our last day, actually. Um, our last day was when we went down to Moore. Um, that's where most of those pictures were from. And um, that day really affected a lot of people. Um, I'm just pull out my notes here. And I'm going to give you guys a token of something from Oklahoma later we made copies of. But you'll get those at the end. That'd be neat for you guys to see. Um, I want you guys to all do me a favor. I want everyone to close their eyes. Now, if you're going to go to sleep, uh, stand up while you close your eyes. <laughs> okay? I would like everybody to close your eyes while with me for a minute. And imagine with me the life you have right now. shouldn't be too hard to imagine. All its good points and its bad points. Your friends and your family, your home, your job, your school. Now, imagine all of that. Everything, your material things are gone in an instant. In a storm that insurance companies are calling an act of God, you're at the lowest point in your life and you can't even help your friends and neighbors because you don't have any more than they do. What do you desperately need? You need hope. You can all open your eyes. This has been a big theme for us down there. I can just see some of your faces now. Even imagining that is horrific for us. And it was a reality there. And the one thing that this, these ministry groups have been doing is trying to raise hope, trying to raise hope in God for them, trying to raise hope that there is going to be something more. It's going to get better. And something that was neat was I was asked to speak one night with our group, and before I left, I was like, oh, hope's an interesting idea, but probably no one will talk about it. And it ended up being like our theme for the week. It was really cool to see how that worked. And Mariana already talked about it a little bit. So I have a question for you. I want your own answers. And thinking about all of that, what is hope? A reason to live. Good. Anybody else? What's, what is hope to you? Reassurance. Reassurance. Good. Everything that's going to be? Good. Anyone else? Erin, what's hope? Help. Help? Okay, that's good. Any of the uh, tweens or teens have another answer since you're all up front? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, by definition, hope is in transitive verb form to desire with expectation of obtainment or to expect with confidence and trust. I think that's a better definition of it. The first definition is more what our world today sees hope as, like, oh, I hope I get this for Christmas, which really isn't real hope, but it's what we use it for. Actually, in Scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated by the word hope, and according to biblical usage, hope is an indication of certainty. Kind of like what you just said, that it's what's going to happen. Hope in Scripture means a strong and confident expectation. So in reality, it means trusting that something's coming, something's there. So why do we need it? Why do we need hope? I mean, is it that significant? Yeah. To continue to have faith. Very good. Any other reasons? Why do we need hope? Well, for me, it drives me forward. It's what allows me to remember that it's going to get better. God said we're going to be okay. i want to give you an example of um, some things from our mission trip. When we were on our mission trip, we had teenagers from all over the conference with us, um, which is why we only had a couple of our kids go. It's like a First come, first serve, there's 30 slots for teenagers to go, and they have to pay their own way kind of thing. And So we had kids from Journey by Grace, which is down in um, Belle Vernon. We had kids from Uniontown. We had people from New Brighton, PA, which is two hours north of here. And the one night we had everybody share their testimonies, and a lot of them actually shared about times where they needed to have hope in their lives or they wouldn't have gone any farther. A lot of them actually surprised us by being very open and sharing that if it hadn't been for someone else following God, God's call, um, they would have committed suicide. A lot of them told us and because that because someone else was obedient to God and gave them hope for what's to come, um, they were able to come on this mission trip. They were able to come do God's work and reach out to other people. Who might have been in the same situation. We have no idea. Um, and one story that was shared with us that is kind of funny, but I don't know if I would have done it or not. Um, was about hope in one aspect. Is uh, it's called the pop machine story. I don't know if anybody's ever heard it or not. I'm not sure how many pastors have used it, but I believe it was within a recent within the decade. There's there's this girl, she's driving on the highway. And I don't know where she was driving, but going somewhere. And she all of a sudden feels God like pulling at her heart. And she's like, what? What is it? And she says, she hears God say, I want you to pull over at the gas station and do a handstand in front of the pop machine. And she goes, ah, <laughs> okay. I don't think that was God. So she's like ignoring it. And she keeps feeling God tug at her heart. So she pulls over at this gas station, and she starts driving in circles around it. Because she's like, this cannot be something God wants me to do. This is crazy. I'm not doing that. Like, who? I, I'd be weirded out, too. Uh, and she said she keeps hearing God say, I want you to go do a handstand from that pot machine. And she's like, all right. So after, she circles the gas station like a shark for a couple times. And she goes and pulls over. And she's sitting in her car psyching herself out. And she's looking around. There's no one outside. There's no other cars. So she gets out of her car. She goes over, and she's looking around. There's no one there. And she does a handstand in front of the pop machine. And then she stands back up and brushes herself off and kind of starting to walk off. And this guy that works there all of a sudden comes out and looks at her, and he's crying. And she's like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? And he said, wow. God answered my prayer, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> and she said, or he says to her, "Well, I was going to kill myself tonight, and I told God He got one last chance. If someone came and did a handstand from my pop machine, I wouldn't kill myself." <laughs> I mean, how awesome is that that God used her for that? As funny as it like as funny as it sounds, because she was faithful, she gave that man hope that God still listened. And that he was still there. And it was so cool to hear that story because that sounds ridiculous. Sometimes God tells us to do ridiculous things that other people are going to think we're nuts for. But they can impact other people's lives so much. And it can be so neat to see the results. Just because you're faithful to God. I'd like everybody to look up a scripture with me. You all have Bibles in your pews. We're going to look up 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. So this verse should be familiar to some of you. My translation is a little different, so it might sound a little different than yours. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, There are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, who's heard that before? I've heard it a lot, you know, weddings and stuff. Um, Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is called the love chapter of the Bible because it does give us a good example of what real love is. But that particular verse, I looked at it while we were on the mission trip, and I'm like, hmm, it's weird. How huh? I've, I've heard this verse so many times, and I always focus on the love and faith part. And I, I kind of skim over the hope part because I just assume it's included in everything else. And I think that's something I know I struggle with. I don't know if anybody else in here does. That because the emphasis is on love, we skim over that part. Love is the greatest thing in there, and I agree with it. It's the foundation. But the faith and hope part are essential parts of that pie, too. That if you don't have those two with the love, it's going to be hard to witness to other people. They're equally important. The thing that I think I miss is that we need hope. Hope is needed for faith and love to succeed in this country, in this world. Because if you don't give people hope, then they don't care anymore. If you can't give them something to hold on to, then they're like, all right, well, you're just like everybody else. You're telling me I'm wrong, and you're telling me I'm bad, and, well, I don't want to hear it. We're not, Christians today aren't always the best messengers of hope. We preach the gospel of a loving God, of a hope for the future, but we complain about everything. I say we, because I do it too. We do. I mean, who else has complained about something this week? Because I have. I mean, 10 million times, John? Oh my gosh. John complained 10 million times. Thank you for being honest. I can't tell you how often I've heard non-believers, some of my friends when I was younger, saying how whiny church people are. And what I mean by that is that I was told by some people, we complain instead of acting, which isn't always the case. It's just things that they're seeing. But sometimes it's true. Sometimes I know I complain when I should be doing something to be witnessing to someone else. I should be smiling at my waitress when she comes to give me food because she's probably had a rough day and, I'm so grumpy and full of myself that I don't think to give her a smile and say, Hey, can I pray for you before I leave? My family's actually done that several times when we've gone out to eat. And we actually had two people sit down with us and start crying and allow us to pray with them. And I have never seen them again. But because my parents were willing to take on that leadership role, I know that they gave those people hope for what kind of people God's people are because we're not always represented well anymore. But if we're always complaining, do we sound hopeful? No. What do you guys think? Up here in the front row. If I stand up here and whined about my day, would you think I sounded very hopeful? No. (laughs) If I said, oh my goodness, (sighs) Elena just talked and talked today. (sighs) I didn't know what to do with her. Would well, that sound very hopeful? No. Instead, I could say, you know what? Elena talked a lot today, but you know what? it was really cool? She shared this awesome story with me. That would be the right attitude. That would be hopeful, right? Yeah. And she does share good stories, just so you all know. <laughs> and you know what's awesome is that we do bring a message of hope. The gift of salvation is a message of hope. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. The gift of salvation should be the greatest story of hope ever told, and we are not that good at it sometimes, at sharing it with our actions as well as our words. And I'm saying we because it is. I have the same struggles. Because of our, our culture is like constant, moving, you know, well, this isn't on my schedule, so we can't stop to do this. And that's what we're taught. So we've got to rewire ourselves a little bit to be followers of Christ in this country. We need to let that hope that comes from God fuel us, and we'll be able to show others the hope of the gospel and the love of Christ. This last story I want to share with you is a story, it is of hope, but it is sad. It's from Oklahoma, and if you don't hear anything else I say, please hear this story here. Um, I'm actually sharing a story for some parents in Oklahoma. Um, Justin, Mike, do you have that? I want you guys to look at this real quick. This is the picture, the aerial shot of the school and the surrounding, the elementary school plaza towers and the surrounding area in Moore, Oklahoma, before the tornadoes. This picture happens to be from 2008. This next picture is the next is during is after those tornadoes hit. Most of the school is decimated. Um, you can see the surrounding area. The houses have been destroyed, and um, there was actually teachers that were protecting kids inside the school. And there was actually a car that landed on one of them, and they'd survived. But that's how much this tornado moved things. Um, Mike, what's next? These are a couple of pictures from the memorial. That's some of the things you saw in the video earlier. Um, it was a big memorial around the school. You go to the next one, guys. Now, these here are the seven crosses for, that were resurrected for the, or they were put up for um, the seven third graders that passed away in the tornado. And um, one of the cool things that God did for us was, you see that that fence on the ground? It's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be up, and with everything on it, it's hard to see the memorial. But when we were there, the fence was down. For about the first 15 minutes, we were there. And then after we were there, and I realized they were pulling the fence back up, I said, thank you, God, because we were actually able to see those crosses. The chairs sitting next to them are the kids' chairs they sat in, and that tornado um, these two crosses were made by some local people for the elementary schools, and probably because that fence is up so that there are Christian things sitting out. Neat thing, too, is you can see all kinds of ministry groups that have brought in encouragements from the Bible. Someone left a Bible there. I believe I have a video coming up of the, the crosses that I took a video of. Is it on their mic? And as you can imagine, going to the, going to that memorial was very hard for us. Um, some of the kids, we had to get them off their phones, not our kids, but some of the other kids that are so used to seeing stuff on the news and changing the channel that we had to stop them and say, no, you need to look. This happened. And it was really hard to stand there and watch. They said actually 10 children passed away in the tornado. Um, these seven, though, were the third graders that were all together And, um, one of the harder things to hear, but it was, it was touching, but hard to hear was two of the little girls that passed away were best friends their whole lives. And when they found them in the rubble, they were holding hands, comforting each other in their last couple minutes. And one of the little boys who passed away, his name was Nicholas and his parents were there at the memorial site. They said they go there every day so that they can share Nicholas's story. So it was, we are all, we all standing there. It's quiet. We're, we're thinking. We're, we're hit by this impact. And this lady all of a sudden goes, hey, guys, come here. And our group leader is saying, come here. So we all go under this tent. And there's this woman there. And she's got on one of these T-shirts. And she says, I want to share a story with you. And we're like, OK. And there's this couple standing next to her, look like they're in their late 50s. And um, she said she wanted to share their story with us. They're like, okay. And she said, their son, Nicholas, is one of the ones that passed away. His name's on one of the crosses on the video. And she had asked them if they wanted to talk, and they just couldn't do it, but they want his story shared. So they stood there and said, you go ahead. And she said, so here's a cool story about Nicholas. She said, so Nicholas is this little third grader. And every day before school, he demanded from his parents to get these things called extras. Apparently, some of our elementary schools have them. Okay, you guys know what they are? I had no idea what they were. Um, I guess it's things you can you, yeah, you pay for them. Oh, okay. Okay, so John said, you pay, pay for these things, you get extra food at lunch. You get fruit roll-ups, you get ice cream, probably very school to school. But I guess Nicholas would, like, just keep bugging his parents about this stuff all the time. And so they're like, all right, whatever, you know, they gave them to him. And after the tornado, his teacher came to his parents and said, I know you need to hear something good. So I just want to let you know that when Nicholas would come to school, he didn't use those for himself. He gave them to everybody else. And the, that's what I love about children is that they're so giving to other people. And um, Nicholas's parents go there every day because they want people to walk away from there with something they can do to help other people like Nicholas. They want that message spread. I talked to one of the women there. She said, they just want this story told because he showed love to people in a way that not a lot of adults get to. And they said, here's what we ask you. If you hear this story, start doing things for Nicholas since he can't do it anymore. Carry an extra five bucks on you in case there's someone that really needs it. They said, if you're going to eat a candy bar, take another one with you in case someone else wants one. To start handing out your extras. Start loving on people that you don't even know. And the group that's doing this is called the Hope Raisers. And it's actually what all our t-shirts are from. If You see all of us wearing these t-shirts. All of us, but Mariana, have this one. She got the one I wanted. (laughs) It says, pray more, love more, hope more, more Oklahoma. The town of Moore, they're playing on words there. And they passed out these things. If you guys can help me pass these out, Mariana and Curtis. and let everybody have a copy of these. And if we don't have enough, we can make more. These little pamphlets they gave out when you bought these T-shirts, because we had to buy these. These T-shirts were $20, $25 each. And she said the proceeds go to help these families. She goes, but it's also a hope-raising organization. So on the back of these shirts... It looks like a notebook page, and they're all blank when we get them. And she said, when you get these shirts, you write a message of hope on your back for anyone that might see it when you go to the store, when you're out walking. And she said, if you don't fill it in, people all over the country have been here, and they will get you if they see it. Uh. And on this paper, I don't know who else got them, but there's an example. The girl who first did this. Her, what she wrote on her shirt is on there. It says, hey you, standing beside me. Yeah, I'm talking to you. We may never see each other face to face. We may never even speak. I just want you to know that you matter. And your smile has an enormous amount of power. If you don't have a smile today and you need to borrow mine, tap me on the shoulder, I'll share. Less than two hours later, when she was in the store, She said she was in Walgreens, actually, when she talked to us. Someone tapped her her on the shoulder, and there was a woman standing behind her with a big cast on her arm. When she turned around, she saw tears streaming down this woman's face, and she grabbed her and hugged her and said, all I needed today was a smile. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? I think it's awesome how God works through those things. And by the way, if anybody would want to buy the t-shirts to help the people in Oklahoma, they're going to be on their website soon. There's actually a website on, on your pamphlet. It's the Hope Raisers. Raisesomehope.org. <laughs> and I share all this with you today, not only just to share with you where we went, but to share with you that even in this place where there's horrible devastation, there, people have lost family members. They have lost their homes. They've lost everything they have put their name to. There's still hope there. It's still there. God is still there, and he's still moving there. And I want to thank you for those of you that helped support us to get there, too, in prayer, by finances, because we'll never be the same because of this trip. We needed the reminders that, you know, it's not that important if I don't get my new iPod, you know, when there are people there that don't have homes. And not only that, to see stories of hope coming from families that have nothing was encouraging for us. And we went there to minister to them. It is amazing how God is working there. The scripture I just want to leave you with is Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you guys that if you're not, if you feel like you don't have hope right now. If you feel like you're not in a place where you're able to actually reach out to others and minister to them. We're going to take communion in here in a few minutes. And if you need to stop and reflect and spend time with God, then come up and do it. The Bible says not to do communion in an unworthy manner. And I know that I needed to be in Oklahoma that week to get my heart right in the right place to serve others and to bring them hope. We're going to play some music, and if you need someone to pray with you, come up front. People, Pastor Tim and Pastor Ken and I will pray with you. Some of these kids will pray with you. just want to ask you to get your hearts re- reflecting on God and the message from today.